0: To overcome, you need to know the roots of your problems and establish a successful plan of attack against them. This message is the third in the series, I Will Overcome. The message is entitled, Get in Position. Here is Pastor Dale Shields. involved in this series entitled, I Will Overcome, and as I said a moment ago, I want to talk to you tonight about getting into the right spiritual position so that you can be an overcomer. Jesus, when he came into the world, came for a purpose, the purpose of redemption, salvation, forgiveness, so many different things that Jesus came to do, and uh, the ministry of Jesus is summed up in various verses that He gave us. One of those verses is John chapter 10, verse 10. If you don't know that verse, I would encourage you to memorize it. It's a very powerful little verse that we've been using as a, as really the the springboard for this series together. Where Jesus said, "The thief, that's the devil, comes to steal, and kill, and destroy. But I've come that you may have life, and have it more abundantly. That God made you for a more abundant life. That God made you for more. And that with Jesus, we can experience a more life." But the more life in Christ involves cooperation by us, the choices that we make, and we have to choose to do things God's way, and we have to submit our will to God's will. And so uh, that's really how it happens. And part of that process involves learning how to fight the fight. But you can't fight the fight until you know something about your enemy. And Jesus, in this verse, very clearly says something about the devil. The devil has an agenda for your life and my life. He comes to steal and kill and destroy. Would you say those three things with me? He comes to steal and kill and destroy satan will do everything he possibly can and work his way into your life to aggressively rob your life of relationships and resources actually where the scripture says that he jesus said he is the thief this the actual greek word there is kleptos where we get our word kleptomaniac from it's the concept of someone that robs you blind steals from you and so that's what the what the absolute what the enemy loves to do he loves to kill as he loves to kill anything of life in you and he, he actually destroys. Everywhere the devil shows up, there's always a breakdown. There's never a building up, there's always a breaking down. He's the ultimate mess maker, and the devil will make a mess with your life. But Jesus came to restore to you everything the devil has stolen from you. Isn't that good to know? Jesus came to resurrect everything the devil has killed in you. And Jesus came to restore or rebuild everything the devil has destroyed in your life. And so that's why it's important for us to understand that Jesus is the one who gives us the more life. Look, notice 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3, where it says, But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. So we're talking about how do we become protected from the thief? How do we make sure that we're not allowing the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy? And how are we also opening our lives to the experience of the more abundant life that Jesus has for us? And to do that, as I mentioned, we we need to get in position. You can't fight a fight unless you're in the right position. I, uh, I had just a little short period of time when I was in college that I took, I think, about maybe three weeks of karate. And so, you know, don't anybody challenge me, I promise you, I cannot handle you, uh, but I learned enough about karate that it's all about positioning, right? You have to be in the right position, and it's also about how you use your body as a part of the process and the martial arts, and anything that you do, whether it's in uh, regular warfare or, or just personal battle, you have to be in the right position. I'm going to share with you two things tonight that will help you to get in the right position in your life spiritually to win. How many of you want to be a winner in your spiritual life? I do. I want to win. I want to overcome. And so here are two things that I want you to remember. Number one, your biggest enemies are not outside of you. They're inside of you. I'll tell you why this is important. Because if you position yourself in a battle to fight the things that are outside, don't position yourself to fight the things inside. You'll be fighting the wrong battles in your life. So you've got to get positioned and oriented to where your real battle, your real struggle is. We know that the devil is an unseen external spiritual personality an external spiritual force. We know that we live in a world that we're under attack from the adversary. We talked about that last weekend. But here's the goal of the devil in your life. Now, let me just digress for a moment. Some of you are saying, well, you mean he's talking... As though the devil is real. Yes, he is, okay? The devil is real. you got to get this, okay? The devil is a real evil personality that has real evil demonic spirits that would try to invade your life. I say that not to make you afraid, but I say that to make you aware so that you'll be prepared for the fight. And here's what the devil wants to do. The devil, although is an external spiritual force that we can't see, his goal is to find access points into our life to get on the inside of us, Okay? He can't really do anything to your life just externally, but what happens, your life begins to be stolen from and things in you are killed and destroyed when you give access inside your soul to the works of the adversary. I'm not talking about becoming demon-possessed or having demons living in you, but I'm talking about just cooperating with the works of darkness in such a way that he lodges, as we talked about last week, something called strongholds in your life. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27, we have an illustration of this that I want you to see. It's one of the places in the Bible that we see how the devil wants to get inside of you and me and build places of uh, fortresses in our life uh, where he can control certain aspects of our life. Listen to these, these words. In your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil, what's the phrase there? Notice that. Do not give the devil a foothold. foothold. Very important phrase. So let me just backtrack for a minute. Look at this. It says, in your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. Because what's going to happen if you do? If you're giving place to anger in your life and not resolving it, you actually open up a door in your life where the adversary, Satan, can come in and establish, again, what was the phrase that Paul used there? A foothold. Now, the Greek term for foothold literally means this. It means giving, giving a space or a place or a room to. That's really, the, that's the very straightforward from the, from the Greek lexicon is exactly what the word means. It means to give a spot, a space, a place, or a room to. So, Paul says that if we're not careful in the way that we handle our anger, and by the way, other things in life... We can actually give a spot, a space, a place, a room to the devil. Now, think about that just for a moment. Can you imagine giving the devil a room in your house? Can you just think about this with me for a moment? Just let's just take it to the practical expression of where we live. And let's just say that we take one of our bedrooms or one of the rooms in our house. We dedicate that to to the devil. You would never do that, would you? Hopefully, you would never do something like that. But that being said, that we would never do that in the natural, physical realm, how many times, however, do we do things in our life where we actually open up a space in our life to the adversary, and he gets a stronghold? As I defined for you last week, a stronghold is a place in your life where the enemy has a strong hold. And so it limits you from being everything that God wants you to be. It is stealing from you. It is killing you in certain ways. It is creating death instead of life. And it is bringing destruction. How many marriages are being infiltrated because the devil has a place in a marriage? How many friendships are being devastated because the devil has a place in a friendship? How many dimensions of life? Is, is there some, some aspect of devastation going on because we've actually, actually given, either in a knowing way or most often, in an unknowing way, unbeknownst to us, way that we've given a room, a place, a space to the devil's spot. Now, again, I'm not talking about that we've become demon-possessed. That's not what we're speaking of. If you're a believer, you you can't be possessed with Jesus and the devil at the same time, okay? But you can have footholds of the adversary in your life that jerk you around and play with you and control you in certain ways, and you cannot become an overcomer until you begin to address some of these things. That's what Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says. We talked about it a little bit last week. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, referring there back to chapter 11 of Hebrews and all this great hall of faith, great men and women of faith that are the witnesses of how God worked in their lives. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us, read the rest with me, let us throw off everything that... Hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Notice it says there, throw off everything that hinders. One translation says, throw off every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us. So there's some throwing off, there's some evicting that we need to do in our lives, right? If you had somebody living in your house that was stealing from you, if you had somebody living in your house, that was killing your initiative, killing your vision, killing the dimension of what you wanted to accomplish with your family, with your life, and destroying your life, how long would you let them live in your house? Hopefully, if you're wise, there would be a moment when you say, hey, buddy, you're out of here. We're not going to give you this place any longer. We're going to evict you. Your lease is up. Amen? And so there has to come a time in each of our lives spiritually that we recognize that there's some battles inside of us, again, not outside, just things we've allowed to come inside of our lives that we need to now serve notice on that stronghold, serve notice on that place in our lives to say, you know what, it is time for you to go. We are evicting you from our lives. So tonight I want to empower you as spiritual evictors. I want to deputize you tonight in the way that you will say, I am going to make a choice to evict some things from my life. Now let's talk about what these things are internally. Jesus talked about this as well. Mark chapter 7, notice verses 20 through 23. And then he added, Jesus spoke these words. It is is what comes from inside that defiles you. Where does it come from? Where does defilement come? Inside. Now notice this. For from, what's the next word there? Within. Within. So where's your biggest battle? It's not out there, it's in here. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within, they are what defile you. So what Jesus was saying is that before we actually engage in any of these actions, we let something get in our heart that, per, that results in the production of the action, okay? And so anything that you do always starts in your heart, good or bad. The Bible says in Proverbs 4, verse 23, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it will flow all the issues of your life. And so anything that comes out of your life starts where? In your heart and oftentimes that is the result either of your own sinful nature or of you allowing a stronghold or an influence of darkness to find avenue inside of you that creates this foothold. So I wanna just take a moment and talk about some of the the common uh, strongholds, some of the common footholds that I've observed in people over the years that hold them back. Ways that the devil gets in, get in, will get into your life and start setting up camp and begin to steal, kill, and destroy you. Let me give you 10 of them. Number one is through fear. All of us have a certain amount of fear, but some of us have become prey to fear in such a way that it dominates our life. And so fear grabs hold of us, and so we, we, our life is limited by fear. And fear, de- Satan traffics in Fear. I don't have time to walk you all through these different, uh, there are 10 of them, so I certainly don't have time tonight to talk to you about all 10 of these, and this is just sort of a, a smorgasbord of some, of some examples of these, but fear never even entered the human race until Adam and Eve sinned against God. You go to Genesis chapter three, and it was the time that they sinned against God, and then they, they, they both realized they were naked and they were afraid, okay? So the fear came as a result of their sin, and so Satan traffics in fear, and there's some of us that we're so bound up with fear that we can't be everything that God wants us to be. I want you to know tonight that Jesus wants to evict fear from your life. If there's a little room in your heart called fear that the devil has there, there's an eviction notice that needs to be sent to that. The second one is insecurity. I've known so many people over the years that have struggled with this massive sense of emotional and psychological insecurity about their life. Sometimes it's attached to failures in their life. Sometimes it's attached to... uh, the things they've done wrong, they've made a mess of their life in certain ways, or they look back on things that they regret, or maybe it was the environment that they grew up in, but there's this little thing inside of them that always makes them feel a little worthless, or sometimes a whole lot worthless. And it could be just by reason of something someone said to them, a parent, could have been something a teacher said, could have been something that they heard from peers, but something lodged in them, and and Satan used that as a moment in their life to get that little, that seed of insecurity in them, and now they live a debilitated life, not completely perhaps, but somewhat debilitated life, that that insecurity is stealing, killing, and destroying them. I'm here to tell you tonight that it's time to evict insecurity from our life. Amen? Number three, the third one is stubbornness. You know, some of you are stubborn. And I know the ones that are, because you just said, no, I'm not, okay? (laughs) Okay. The reality is, is that all of us are stubborn at times, aren't we? Yeah. You hear that stubbornness is not of God? A stubborn spirit is a resistant spirit. A stubborn spirit is a spirit that fails to yield, that is not, that is unyielding and unwilling to change. And, and, and actually, a stubborn spirit is very difficult to manage. If you've ever been a manager and tried to manage someone who was stubborn, you know, it's very difficult to manage anybody that's stubborn because they take no direction at all. And so they always have a better idea than you do. And so you're always, it's always a battle. It's always a fight. And the devil loves to plant in us that resistance, against God and resistance against authority and God's authority and there's a stronghold that can form in your life that will keep you from your best life because your best life is always a submitted life, amen, okay? Your best life is always a submitted life to God and to his work and to his authority in your life. Number four is rejection. There's some people that are carrying a wound of rejection around in them. All of these could be a teaching in and of themselves, I just don't have time to to go into all the rejection happens in lots of different ways is when you're ostracized from a group when people say we don't want you around or maybe a, and you're in a, an environment that you experience some level of abandonment in your life, but there was something that happened that said you're just not worthy of being accepted. You're not, we, that's the opposite, obviously, of, of rejection is acceptance. And so there's some of you that you are limited by your life because you're carrying a wounded spirit of rejection. The fifth one is hurt, and that goes very closely with rejection. Hurt and rejection. Hurt is a wound that happened inside of you that hasn't healed. We hear it all the time when we say, that person hurt my feelings, okay? When someone hurts your feelings, it is extremely important that you deal with it and handle it appropriately because our feelings do get hurt at times, do they not, right? Anybody ever had your feelings hurt? Of course, yeah, we get our feelings hurt. But if we don't deal with it the right way, hurt can linger in you and hurt will make a victim out of you. When you carry hurt around in you, you'll begin to expect to be hurt by everybody, okay? And you'll walk around with a chip on your shoulder just waiting for someone to knock it off. They say, well, there it goes again. That's say, I always experience this in life. And the devil gets a little stronghold in you, and he pulls you around by your hurts. You know, a lot of people, instead of being led by the Holy Spirit in life, they're being led by the hurts in their life, okay? Their hurts are just dragging them around. The sixth one is envy. Envy is a very subtle thing. Envy, we you know, we talk about jealousy. Jealousy and envy, very, very similar. They're sort of, if you will, uh, brothers, sisters. They're first cousins. They're very, very similar. Some uniquenesses to the words that are used in the, in, the, in the scriptures. But the word envy is whenever you set yourself up in a, in a, in a mode of comparison with somebody else. So you are looking at your life in comparison with somebody else's life. And the devil loves to do that to people. The devil loves to get you to look at somebody else and compare your life against their life because here's what happens. One of two things will always happen. You will e- either pity or pride. Anytime you're comparing yourself with someone else, you'll either say, well, I at least I'm not like them. I'm better than them, my life is better and so there's the pride aspect or the pity aspect of look at them it seems like their life always goes better than mine and so there's this competitiveness and comparison with other people and some of us are being robbed in life because our joy is being drained because we're spending our energy looking at somebody else and what they have or don't have or what we have versus what they have and before long that indie has a foothold in us and it's again stealing and killing and destroying us in some way. Number seven is idolatry. I included this because you may not may not have thought of it being a stronghold, but it is a massive stronghold in people's lives. Idolatry, you might say, how can you be a Christian and be idolatrous? I'll tell you how you can be a Christian and be idolatrous. Anytime you put anything or any person above Christ in your life at any point in time, that thing or that person becomes an idol to you. And the devil will do everything he possibly can to get Jesus out of first place in your life, okay? He'll do anything he can to supplement or to slip Jesus over to the side. And so we'll just don't take him as seriously. This is more important. And the shifting of priorities often in life actually is more than a shifting of priorities. The shifting of priorities from... Jesus front and center can often and many times Becomes actual idolatry in our lives Number eight is anger We live in a very angry culture don't we And anger is just, it's just seething in people And anger it happens because again I think it's, a lot of anger is caught From people and caught from the culture around us I mean if you watch enough television You'll catch anger Okay, It's like a cold you'll catch it Okay If you spend time with enough angry people, you'll catch it. It's contagious because their anger will spill over onto you. If you think enough about your hurts and your disadvantages and things in life that you're not happy about, what will happen is you will feed anger in you. So the devil loves to get people stirred up on the inside with anger. Anger agitates people. And anger makes people do things that they would never do otherwise. It stirs them to very, not only violent action, but very foolish actions in their life. Number nine is bitterness. Bitterness. A lot of these are very tied together, and bitterness is is a step beyond anger. Bitterness, and it's a step beyond hurt. Hurt often leads to anger. Anger very often will lead to this bitterness inside. And the word in and of itself describes what it is. Bitterness is bitter. You're just it's just like chewing on something that is bitter, and it just it poisons you all within your being because you feel like you've been wronged or you've been offended and that bitterness will generate in you the desire to get revenge at someone and you're trying to, to get get back at someone who's hurt you. And I know and I've met people and perhaps there's someone here tonight and I say this to help you, not to condemn you, but maybe you're, you're consumed by the need to get back at somebody. And when you and I are consumed by the need to get back at someone for what they've done to us, what that does is it sets you up for destruction in your life and the tenth one is resignation. Resignation is just giving up. That's all it is. And the devil, will get if he can't get you in the, any of these other ways, he will wear you out to the point that you just give up on following God and give up on serving God, and you just—you uh, just, you have no more energy or commitment to follow or serve him. But what I want you to see, and the reason I laid these ten out, and there, could pro- there are probably 50 or 100 of these that we could have talked about, but I want you to think about your life. and What are the enemies inside of you right now? What are the enemies in your life? Remember we talked last weekend about strongholds. What are the strongholds in your life right now that are holding you back, that are keeping you from from experiencing everything that God has in store for you? And will you accept by faith tonight the fact that Jesus wants to help you evict these things from your life? Amen? He does not want you to continue to live under the influence of these things. He has the power to help you overcome them. Let's go to the second point. Identifying the sources of your strongholds is an important step in overcoming them. So identifying sources of strongholds. Basic principle of overcoming. You can't fight what you can't see. You can't fight what you can't identify. And I've learned over the years that you need to know something about the roots of these things in your life if you're going to... If you're really going to overcome something, if you're going to overcome anger, you've got to understand well, why am I? Why do I get so angry? What's behind this? What What's the root? Where did this get started? How do I think that leads me to this? And so you've got to get some insight to the roots. Jesus talked about laying the axe to the root of the trees, so that so that tree, that bad fruit, can be eradicated from your life. And so you and I need to have some some understanding of what's at the root of things. Jesus was very clear about dealing with people's roots when he minister to them during his earthly ministry. I'm going to give you a few examples of this in just a very short period of time. Matthew chapter 16, verses 22 and 23. This is a story of Peter when Satan got a hold of Peter. Notice what happens. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me. Satan, you're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Here's what's going on here. Jesus had spoken to his disciples about going to Jerusalem, where he's going to be crucified. And Peter said, no, Lord, never going to let that happen to you. So in that moment, Peter actually, the scripture says, rebuked Jesus and said, this is not going to happen to you. Can you imagine rebuking Jesus? And what's interesting about the stories is just a few verses earlier, Peter had been praised by Jesus for his revelation about who Jesus was, the Christ, the son of the living God, and, he had, and, that the, that, and, and Jesus has said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So in a matter of moments, he went from a building block to a stumbling block. Okay. You know, it doesn't take long for you to go from a building block to a stumbling block. All it took was for one moment when he opened his heart to Satan. And so Jesus realized that Satan had gotten a root in him because of pride. Let's go to another story here. Mark chapter 5 verses 25 through 34. You'll recognize this story. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. Over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately, the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once a healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe?" His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask? Who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to, his, to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, read with me, daughter, your faith has made you well go in peace. Your suffering is over. This is a great story. A lady who had been bleeding, hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging for 12 years nonstop. And she'd gone to every doctor possible. The Bible says she'd spent everything she had trying to get well. She desperately wanted to get well. No no one could help her. So she's hopeless. But she hears about Jesus one day, and she says, I've got to get to him because I believe that he can bring healing to me. And so she, because of her condition, this is important to note, she had been uh, pronounced unclean by the priest because if you were in that condition, you were considered to be unclean. And so she had a physical problem, but she had she'd also been rejected spiritually. And she was also isolated socially because she was considered unclean. So she did not simply have a physical problem. She had a spiritual problem, and she also had a social problem. She had no friends in her life, okay? In addition, she had a financial problem. She'd spend everything she had trying to get well, right? I think that's a lot of problems. Would you agree? Okay. That's a lot of problems to have. And so that really explains why she comes up in the crowd that day, and she crawls through the crowd... Because she didn't want anyone to know that she was there. She was not supposed to be in that crowd. She was considered unclean. And she knows if I can just get to Jesus. And touch the edge of his garment. The little tassel was at the edge of his robe. I'll be healed. And she 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 makes her way there. She touches the garment. She's healed because she, she's exercising faith. And Jesus realizes something happened. Who touched me? Now the disciples as bright as they were. Okay. Like. Okay, Jesus, they are like lots of people around. Everybody touched you. Okay, like, no, no, no. Jesus says, somebody touched me with faith. Somebody touched me in a different way just then. And so who, who touched me? And there in that moment... The spotlight, if you could think of it as a theatrical presentation, the spotlight immediately comes down upon this lady who's now on her knees in the presence of Jesus and she's experiencing the very thing she didn't want to experience. Why? Because she was not supposed to be in that crowd. She was unclean. She was considered unclean spiritually and socially and she was financially in a mess and so she did want, not want any attention drawn to her but Jesus knew that the root of her issue was went beyond her physical situation there that day he wanted to bring restoration to some of her root issues in life and so he brought deliverance to her not not only physically but there that day he announced to everybody around she's now clean she's now accepted she's now a whole daughter your faith has made you completely well and she was put back together again and acknowledged in front of all of that crowd by Jesus and affirmed by him that she was well again now, why was that important? Because it's putting all of the pieces back together in your life. It's going for the root issues. See, Jesus, when he does something, he does it well. Are you with me? Okay. And that's why he wants to get to the root issues in your life. He doesn't want to just play around with the surface stuff. He wants to get to the root stuff because it's just like if you go to the doctor and you have cancer, you don't want them to like cutting off just an edge of the tumor. Right? Well, I got the edge of it. I left the other part. No, if you go to the surgeon to have a tumor removed, you want to make sure, did you get the whole thing, right? While I'm under, just get the whole thing, doc, okay? Just deal with it all. Make sure that it's all dealt with. And so we've got to think of Jesus in those terms. Not just coming along and sort of giving us a little band-aid on things in our life. But we need to open our lives to Christ and say, look, there's some root issues in me that I need to overcome. I don't want these things to trouble me and steal and kill and destroy me for the rest of my life. Jesus, open me up and do the surgery that is necessary. Get to the root issues in my life. Notice the next story about a demon-possessed man. Everybody still with me so far? Just about done, okay. Jesus demanded, what is your name? Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. The demon kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. The demons begged him to let them enter the pigs, so Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. He was a man that Jesus encountered on the other side of the Sea of Galilee as he'd gone across the sea the the, the the lake there, and this man comes running to him, he's demon-possessed. Jesus rebukes the demon and then Jesus said, "What is your name?" Say that phrase with me, what is your name? Why would Jesus ask this man, the demons, what is your name? Because he wanted to know the root issue. I want to get, I, I don't want to give this man a partial deliverance. I want to find out everything that's going on with him so that he can be made completely whole. Amen? Okay. And so he said, What is your name? And the demon said, Out of this man, my name is Legion. Legion representing multitudes of demons. And so now we've gotten to the root issue. And so Jesus wasn't just delivering the man from one demon. He was dealing with the whole big picture. And of course, cast the demons out. They went into pigs, went down to the lake, and were destroyed. But what I want you to see is, again, Jesus does a thorough job when you open up your life to him to get at your roots, okay? He does a thorough job. I'll give you one last story here. I love these stories, don't you? It's in Luke chapter 13, beginning in verse 10. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in the synagogue, he saw a woman who'd been crippled by an evil spirit. She'd been bent double for 18 years and was was unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Dear woman, you're healed of your sickness. Then he touched her, so he spoke to her, then he touched her, and instantly she could stand straight. How she praised God. But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. There are six days of the week for working, he said to the crowd. Come on, come on these days to be healed. Not on the Sabbath. But the Lord replied, you hypocrites, each of you works on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox or your donkey from its stall on the Sabbath and let it out for water. This dear woman, notice this. Dear, this dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, has been held in bondage by Satan for. 18 years, isn't it right that she be released even on the Sabbath? Here's another story. Here's a lady. Jesus is in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Here's a lady who has bent over. She's bent double. She has not been able to look up and see the sky for 18 years. Her eyes have only seen the ground. Think about that for a moment. If for 18 years, all you can see is the ground, you cannot look up. The devil has bound you in such a way that all you can see is what is down. You can see nothing up and Jesus comes to her that day and sees her in her condition and speaks to her and touches her and she is liberated she is freed not just physically but there is a bondage that has been crippling her that is broken by Jesus that day I'm preaching to someone here tonight are you hearing me see there are things that cripple you in your life they're things that bend you over. They're things that drive you down. They're things that keep you from looking up. They're access points that perhaps we've given or life experience has caused us to, be, to carry these wounds inside or things that have happened to us that are strongholds of the adversary. But when you come into the presence of Jesus, he does a thorough job. He lifts you up. He frees you and he delivers you from the crippling work of the adversary. That lady was freed that night from 18 years of bondage. See, it's never too late to have your problems solved by Jesus, okay? It's never too late. Somebody's saying, well, you don't know how long I've been in this mess. It doesn't matter how long you've been in the mess, okay? So, well, pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like at the end of my life. Is it worth it now? Yes, it's worth it, okay? Wherever you are in life, it's worth it to pursue Jesus for the root issues in your life being made whole. Now, to understand this, I'm going to wrap this up. We're just about done with some, some Scripture verses that I want to encourage you to, to, to take with you from tonight. So we need to know our roots, don't we? What, what are the issues in my? What are the root issues that, that Jesus wants to help me in a thorough way deal with? The problem is, if you're like me, I don't always know what my roots are. How about you, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know why. You ever wonder, why did I do that? Right? You ever done that before? Why did I do that? I don't know why I did do. I don't know. And sometimes we do stupid things and we don't even know why we did it, right? But even when we don't know, Jesus knows, right? Jesus knows why you do the things you do, right? And he can help you to understand why you do the things you do so you can get at the root issues of these things. Notice Jeremiah chapter 17, 9 and 10. The human heart is most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Now, that would be very depressing if it were not for the next verse, okay? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. Here's the good news. We don't even know what's going on in our own hearts at times, okay? But God always knows. Isn't it good to know? Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. But it was to us that God revealed these things, how, by His Spirit for his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Notice that the spirit of God in your life can help you to discover things that you'll never know on your own. I was praying many years ago I was in a, just I think I may have told this story before it was so profoundly life-changing I'll tell it quickly again. One day I was praying and, and I in the middle of my prayer God said you're, you're you res- you you have resentment towards such and such a person. I said, no, I don't. Never say that to God, by the way, okay? okay? Because I didn't feel any resentment. I felt no resentment at all toward that person. Okay. So my natural reaction was no, I don't I don't feel any resentment toward them, but God says, No, you have resentment toward that person. I want you to forgive them. I didn't feel any anger toward that person, but I did recall something that had happened in the relationship that had hurt me a bit, but I thought I'd gotten over it and, and let it go, but it, but the Lord that day was reminding me, this was actually a while after that event had happened, so I wasn't even thinking about it that day when I was praying, he said, you need to forget this person so I just, without any emotion at all I just prayed for that person, I said, Lord I forgive them, I release them, I let this go, I don't want any resentment in my heart at all and I, I just completely let, let let the issue go I didn't even know what the issue completely was for me I just let it go, I said, God I give it to you and a week later i received the most loving kind letter from that person that i'd never gotten a letter in my whole life from them okay but they wrote about how and they actually wrote to me asking for forgiveness in their life about some things okay that they needed to get you know and what i rem- what i realized that day is that god knows a lot more than we do amen okay and we all ought to know that but it was it was something that i was holding on to in me that perhaps I I don't want to get too weird here, but I think it was kind of binding that person up, okay? And so my willingness to forgive that person helped that person find freedom in their life. So you never know when God shows you something, say yes, God, and respond to him, amen, okay? And so we don't even know our hearts, okay? We don't even know what's going on in us. But the Spirit of God does. He searches our hearts. He can search us out. And that's why you and I ought to pray the prayer that we'll conclude with tonight. James chapter 1, verse 5. Read it with me. Here we go. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. If you need wisdom in your life to know, Lord, what are the root issues that I need to deal with? Who do you go to for wisdom? Who knows you better than you know yourself? Who knows the root issues in your life that you may never discover on your own? God God knows those things and God can help you to get to the issues that are holding you back, that are stealing and killing and destroying you so that you can step from that into the more abundant life that Jesus has for you. Amen? Amen? Did you receive God's word tonight? Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. We pray you'll take this message and really help us to to meditate upon it, but more importantly, help us to act upon it, Lord. We pray that you would just drive out the root issues of our life so we can be freer than we've ever been before, spirit, soul, and body. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention His name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that that I am a sinner, and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ.